0: So hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here.
1: Brent Sanders.
0: And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. And today we have a special guest, one of our first and many to come, Jason Hitchcock. So Jason, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Hey, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having
0: me on. Uh, So uh, you're doing a lot of things in crypto. How do you introduce yourself to people nowadays?
2: I invest in crypto. I advise startups. I, I, I like to think about it like I missed out on I'm 35. I grew up in the nineties and like, I missed out and I watched the internet grow and I knew it was awesome. And I feel like I missed out on web two and it's what made me want to work on the internet. And now I see that all happening again. And I feel like, oh, I can be a part of it. And to be a part of it means a lot of things. And today you can buy your way in, you can help your way in, or you can work your way in. And I want to do all three of those things in web three as it rises.
0: So I saw you or listened to you on Eric Jorgensen's podcast and it was a fantastic, like I've had this on my list to do, like really dive into DeFi, it seemed like last summer everyone was doing it and you were just so passionate and you put like all your money into it, made such a big bet and I was like, I should take a you know, week or two to do my bet as well and it was worth it. But so for perspective, last week we did a primer, Brent asked me a bunch of questions of what I have learned over the last week or two. And like cover the basics. So, I'd love to dive in uh, to deeper questions today. Absolutely. That works for you. To start, a lot of what we talk about is like building a private equity firm. Brent and I, our background was at like a series A fund and also a startup studio. Brent, I know, has a lot of really strong opinions on what worked well and what didn't in the startup studio world. Yeah, I'd love to hear about your time at Monkey Inferno. Like, what worked well? What didn't there? What would you have done differently?
2: Absolutely. And I I always love my private equity friends because they're always working on businesses, at just a completely different part of the story of the business. My last t- 10 years, I've been working at early stage startups as one of the first employees or the founder going from like zero to a thousand users or customers for consumer or enterprise. And I did that in ad tech. I did that in gaming. I did that in other ad tech again and SaaS companies. And then I joined Monkey Inferno, which is like a startup lab that's funded by the founders of the original Bebo, like the third place. Facebook, MySpace, and then like Bebo had like Europe. And so they basically gave, had unlimited funding essentially to a lab. And what we did was we built apps and our goal was to have a home run. And so we had a whole methodology around how do you come up with an idea uh, for a group of people? And what's the like manifestation of the app of that idea? And how do you take it to market very quickly? And we had a whole methodology for coming up with an idea And getting it in the hands of users, like in two to three weeks. And we had a whole process on, we're going to kill this app in X days. It would be like three months if we don't hit this goal. And we would aggressively try to prove our way there and earn our, earn the ability to continue working on the app. And we were very, we had very high standards and we killed a lot of things. And so what worked really well was not sitting on not knowing. And we broke up the entire day into hours. And every single hour, the whole company was focused on like a problem and we were constantly moving forward to chip away at the a plus problem like why is nobody using our app and so that was and i have a whole thread that i I can share with you on like our whole style of work which was pretty interesting it led to a positive outcome twitch bought our one of our startups and i worked there for the last two years what didn't work well it was just we noticed that the times where we the only answer that was unacceptable when we were doing experiments working on things was like i don't know like if, if if we didn't experiment and it wasn't this decisively worked or this did not work and we know why it didn't work. If we didn't know why it didn't work, it means we just didn't do the experiment at some point. We didn't try hard enough. We didn't set it up. Man, I I could go on this forever. Uh, This could be like a whole nother podcast. Uh, You're just like making me reflect on on my time with Bebo. But then like, how did I get into crypto? I was working at Twitch for two years doing fandom strategy that was really interesting. I'd spent 10 years doing early stage startups and I felt like 95% of my energy at Twitch was spent navigating Twitch a really big, awesome company. But if I had it, 5% of my time would be spent thinking about like, cool idea we should do for the fans. And then 95% was like, okay, how do we get marketing to help me? How do I get legal to help me? Mm. Oh my God. I need to plan way ahead on procurement. And the game working at Twitch became just like getting good at working at Twitch and not like getting good at your domain. And in that time I'd been holding on to crypto for a while, but like I, I bought Bitcoin and Ethereum, just like everybody else, like, a little bit, like, Oh, let's see what happens. Mm. And hold uh, to it. But like, I didn't know what you did with it. You couldn't do anything with it. And all, in fact, all you, what was crypto to everybody, but like Smart technical people say one day this will be like very important. It seems to be going parabolic in the news every couple of years. Okay, maybe they're right. Maybe they're not right. I don't know. But if the cost of being right is, I could put some money in and I could be a part of that. And whatever, I don't. Even, that like that's my skin in the game. If I'm wrong, I'm I'm missing out on this crazy parabolic thing. And what, to feel good about being right? So I bought some, but then years go by and I don't really know what you can do with crypto. And then one day DeFi comes out and uh, DeFi summer happens and if your viewers Google it, they can go learn all about it. But basically now there's apps. Crypto Mm -hmm. was being built, it was infrastructure. Imagine Python was coming together, JavaScript was coming together, but now apps like the ones you use on your phone and the internet there with buttons to press and everyone finds out, are you telling me that the way Ethereum works is it's like you put the quarter in the machine runs and you see how that quarter splits off and pays everybody that made the software and goes to the stakeholders and the whole thing just works and then you start to see other versions of this out there and you're like oh my god I understand what the crypto internet is it's a little bit different I like it and it's coming together it's worth using i don't know where we where we go from there but that's how we got into yeah, crypto yeah
0: i'd love to focus on there's all these different Parts like startup studios, NFTs, like all that could be its own episode. I think like focusing on DeFi today would be the most interesting for folks.
2: Great. Um, Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm most excited about right now.
0: Cool. So I guess the first step is just getting set up. So what is your recommendation for safety, cold wallets, everything like that? What's the most likely form of attack that people- hundred percent.
2: And I recommend if anybody owns crypto and you're like, I would say if you're going to go to level two, which is you're going to go beyond- go into the homepage of Coinbase or Binance and like seeing the tokens that you've heard YouTubers and your friends talk about. Yes, you buy a little bit of Bitcoin. Maybe you buy some ETH. Holy crap, you buy some XRP because I don't know, you've heard about it for years. And then you buy Cardano, who knows? And then you just leave it there. You watch the numbers go up and down like Robinhood. And all right, that's that is, to me, that's not crypto. That is like asset trading. That's just like owning stock. Okay, cool. If you're going to do crypto stuff, you're going to need to get your own wallet. Like in crypto land, everyone has a wallet. That's like your user identity on the crypto internet. And what's you, there are these things called hardware wallets, which, are, which just require a, a device. And there's a ledger or a trezor, or I use a thing called a grid plus by Lattice, which has a touchscreen. And all this means is there is a hardware device with buttons on it. And in order to do a transaction on the crypto internet, you must press these buttons too. Now, why would you use a hardware wallet? Because today, crypto wallets, their browser extension, the way you use them is, like when you log into a website with Facebook or Google and there's a button and you like log in, same with the crypto internet. There's a little button that says, hey, what's your crypto wallet? And if you have the Chrome extension for MetaMask or Kepler, or one of the many wallets, you click, yeah, log in with my wallet, and then boom, sees your wallet, you're in the software, it's populated with your wallet data, and it's go time. The problem is, if you press a button in one of these apps, like the, the extension opens up and you you press a button to approve it. If yeah. someone's got malicious software onto your computer somehow, like if you click the link, if you've got, I don't know if you, if you went to a website, I don't know, there's a million ways people get stuff onto your computer, like they email it to you or you get socially engineered. Maybe somehow your computer like has is in view of a window and there's a camera looking at it, basically hmm. some, a hacker could run a script. When you think you're pressing the button, something gets injected into the Chrome extension and like slides and updates your transaction and, and like vacuums up your wallet and sends it all to somebody else. It happens every day. We're seeing it every day on crypto Twitter, informed people, experienced people are telling stories about, I can't believe it happened to me. And it happened to me too. And right. so when I got going and I had the hardware wallets and all these things, even when you have these hardware wallets, there's still risks. You could be tricked into entering your seed phrase on a website that you think is customer support. And I have friends today who have tens of thousands of dollars in their wallets that don't have, they don't have a hardware wallet. And like they've even bought them and they haven't moved the things over yet. And I like get nauseous. I When I was getting going, I had already put a bunch of my, like most of my money into crypto. One day I woke up and I had half a million dollars of my Rune tokens were just vacuumed up out of my account. And I had no, I honestly, I still to this day don't know what happened. All, all I know is there's some sort of threat. I bought a new computer. I, I changed my routers. I now have multiple wallets and I have my money broken up across many of them. So if any of them get compromised, I have like different proportions of my wallets on like multi-signature things. So I guess my point is I don't actually know what it really means to be safe. And I like, I say that out loud because I don't know. I do think that you have tremendous control by having a hardware wallet. That is like, bare minimum if you're going to get serious use a hardware wallet very few points of failure but we're still in the early days i think in the future what solves all this is one day when the whole crypto internet is built there's going to be a big smart contract layer over that internet a virtual machine and it's going to be hey deposit your money onto the internet and like you're going to move money out of your wallet onto your identity on this smart contract layer and it's going to be like like it'll feel like the internet but and your money will will have some rails set up but speculate about that later
0: do you have any theories as to like how you were compromised? Yeah, my
2: a- my theory is I, I bought rune tokens. I was trying to do some liquidity providing on Thor Swap early on, or Bep Swap at the time. And I just had a question, and I asked it in their Telegram group. And I, whenever you ask for support from all these companies, they all have Discords and Telegrams. You get like a million inbounds of like people that are pretending to be admins. And yeah. at the time, I did not know. I, I don't. Maybe I didn't know about that or something. Or maybe I had a brain fart and I thought I was talking to someone that was an a real admin. Maybe I clicked a link to what could have been MetaMask. Maybe I typed in and then did not click enter. Maybe I typed in my seed phrase for a moment, but by that, I didn't need to click enter. It was already in the website. They captured it. Maybe no, that's my no. best theory, but I don't even remember doing that. So,
0: oh. so like, we went through most of the basics in like liquidity pools and different stuff in the last episode. Left to dive into some of the weirder stuff. One of the weirder things that's popped up that i've seen is alchemix and like self-repaying loans could you explain that to like how it yeah. functions
2: and i think alchemix is a great concept where if you uh, listeners if you can understand alchemix you can understand anything in DeFi, and it's also like the quintessential what's possible with DeFi, and like you can look into the future and see what's coming so i'll break it down alchemix is a self-repaying loan system And I recommend reading the white paper because if you've never read a DeFi white paper, this one's good. It's written by really smart people who are good at writing and you'll understand it. It'll be a a fun read. And like the tokenomics section of the white paper is very interesting and is uh, representative of how many papers present this material. So it's a self repaying loan system. And if you've learned about liquidity providing, and you've learned a little bit about where does yields come from, the way Alchemix works is they say, hey, we're going to create a stable coin, but that stable coin is backed by the future yields that we're going to get for you. And so let me explain this with a story and then I'll double click into it. The story is you've got a hundred thousand dollars right now. And you want to go buy it. What if I could tell you that you could get this car for free? But what you need to do is you're going to lock up your money for your hundred thousand dollars. You're going to pull out a $50,000 loan. You're going to go buy your car. Okay. Go drive that car. You do not need to pay this $50,000 back. It's yours. Alchemix takes that $100,000 and it generated those $50,000. It generated. Those are synthetic stable coins it just gave you. And then you swapped those stable coins into other stable coins and then into US dollars and then into car land. They took your $100,000 principal and they deposited it all onto Yearn, which they earn between 28 and 35% APY on, they have a special partnership with Yearn. And so it's now gonna take around three years or three and a half years in that range for the yield. It harvests every day and pays down that $50,000 you borrowed. And then eventually, really every day, your collateral is vesting as it pays down your loan. And that's how Yearn works. And where does Yearn get its yield? It's It's a strategy built on top of Curve. And so here at the base layer, we have a primitive curve, this incredibly capitally efficient stablecoin swapping exchange that has its own tokenomics on top of it. Yearn is a protocol that is built to optimize, taking advantage of those tokenomics to generate yields. And then on top of Yearn, you're able to build another thing, which is Alchemix, self-repaying loans. How many different like websites sell something that could, how many timeshare websites could say, hey, if you want to... You want to pay in full right now? You'll get all of it back in three years. There's definitely a segment of people that would love to take that. It may not be for everybody, but like I would. I think people who are worth over x hundred thousand dollars would totally buy the car up front if they knew they were getting it all back in three years.
0: Alchemix is super interesting. Like, why would someone do Alchemix versus put your Ethereum and get like a a stablecoin loan on your Ethereum instead of that?
2: That's a good question. I think it's a, it's a very specific tool that you can bring into strategies. And if you follow the community and go in their discord, people are brainstorming out loud. And this is what I love about DeFi because everyone thinks about everything like a Lego. What could you build with this Lego? Everyone's like, what could you do with self-paying loans? And for example, the whole Alchemix team, they have paid their salaries in self-paying loans. So they took their whole salary, put it on, they took half their salary out, And then as half their salary vests, they'll take another half out, like, and they'll have this infinite loop of their salary is now self-paying. That's cool. Or what about, hey, you anticipate a bear market's coming up and like, maybe you want to get out of the market and protect your ETH. You could, they've recently added other assets as collateral and not just stable coins, you could deposit all your ETH onto Alchemix, pull out 25% of that. You got your ETH, go cash it out, go play with it, make your life better you're going to get all your ETH back in about seven years. Okay. That's a long time, but that's what the ETH product looks like. That might fit into a strategy. And like, also DeFi might get better. That might pay back sooner. Who knows? And yeah, I think basically you can just imagine, like I want, here's something I would like to do one day for real with Alchemix. I want to do a large thing. I want to raise a fund. I want to raise like $20 million and put it on Alchemix and then pull out half. And then I want to invest in startups for a year. And then my fund is going to be a self fundraising vehicle. In, two, in, in three years, I'll have the whole fund back. And so you could space out the investments over time and it would like, you would never stop doing fund- investing. That's interesting. So, what else could you come up with? Yeah. And then, so the last thing though, to answer your question though, I don't necessarily think though, it's, it really depends what you want to achieve in DeFi. It may not be the best tool for getting yield on ETH. I don't think it's actually the best tool for getting yield on ETH, but it's a great tool.
0: I would also say while we're
2: talking about Alchemix, an opportunity for your viewers is they have some of the best liquidity pools and tokenomics in all of crypto. And so purchasing Alchemix and staking it, you're going to earn a cut of all the fees as they, the way the protocol makes money. And it's been profitable from day one, as it pays down your loans in real time from harvesting year and yield, 10% of that yield gets funneled to the protocol as revenue. And today... Their token emission is going to people who have staked Alchemix tokens, but pretty soon all of that will be revenue from the protocol. As like the protocol grows and they add more strategies, they're going to have more revenue and it's all going to go to stake stake Alchemix. And then providing liquidity in Alchemix ETH is 100% APY. So that's like really good.
0: So back to TradFi, traditional finance, what do you see is the interaction there? Do you think crypto is going to uh, supplant or replace current banks? Are they going to merge into it?
2: Because what is a bank? What do people need out of banks? And what are young people doing today with their money? And in the past, people went to a bank for custody of their money. We went, we we did our checks there and stuff. Today, the fastest growing apps are like Cash App and Venmo. And people are very accustomed to sending money and splitting Ubers via apps. And finance is really getting disintermediated away from you're going through a bank and like you're using apps and all those apps, by the way, they interface with banks and TradFi. I think FinTech is also going to get disrupted. I think FinTech DeFi is going to eat FinTech because FinTech is just a mask on a, an old, a digital mask on an old financial infrastructure, wire transfers since the day they were invented, still take the same amount of time. And anybody that has ever done a wire transfer, once you use DeFi, you're just like, oh, okay. Like here it comes. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah. So I think banks are going to have to really assess what's their opportunity uh, right now. What advantages do they have that they can assert into DeFi? And I think one advantage is they've aggregated a tremendous amount of customer relationships that are probably lazy and don't want to walk like people who still subscribe to AOL from back in the day. And so I think they can give those people crypto wallets and then they can say, hey, here's how you like work with crypto. And then just in, the, in like I, in the same way that like MetaMask, which has 10 million users, when they had two million users, MetaMask was making 80 40,000 ETH a month, and when they had five million users, they were making like 200,000 ETH a month. Okay, that's that's not five million users. Okay, show me a bank that has. All right, they're gonna get to make that much too, and get ETH on their balance sheet. ETH is gonna go to the moon, and like these banks now get to have ETH on their balance sheet while it's on the moon. So like, that's an opportunity. Another opportunity is banks have a lot of capital and like, maybe they could become liquidity providers. They could go jump on curve and start bumping up their deposits and saying, oh my God, we found more yield. We feel good about this yield. It's all stable coins. Everyone chill out. Like we're not doing the weird stuff. And so I think banks are going to go in that direction. They're going to start off. They're going to go find yield and they're going to give it to their customers. And then the, the third thing is, I think banks are going to pivot to becoming also, or not pivot, they're going to just, They're going to sell investment access. They're going to be like, we're going to have to take a financial product that an investment manager has, an RA, like a DeFi or exposure to DeFi, exposure to crypto. Here you go, bank customers. You should invest in this. I think a lot of people, and they're going to want to get their cut of that too, because of like how big the values are going. It's interesting. They have to, these banks have to compete against these new entities um, because crypto Is a promise of fintech. Crypto is the reinvention of the financial stack from bottom to top because like it's a whole network. And so all of the products in crypto are like these full stack products, whereas everything in, in finance is a point solution, which is why like it takes 12 different kinds of entities to settle the trade on Robinhood. Whereas in crypto, it's like you have literally just Binance or Coinbase or just FTX, and they literally offer the entire ecosystem of financial products. And it's like really easy to imagine how that expands into things we've never even done before. Example, like we're starting to see things like Do Kwan, CEO of Terra. He has uh, the Mirror Protocol, which is a synthetic asset platform, similar to synthetics, where you have tokenized stock prices. These tokens don't really give you voting shares, but they are derivatives of the price. He's now the Nebula Protocol is coming out and has like dynamic stock portfolios that will automatically rebalance based on like oh, this is only going to be like the 20 most talked about tech companies with a market cap above $30 billion on Twitter. And we're always just going to rebalance every five minutes based on that. That's just not something Schwab or, nobody can offer that except for crypto. And so I think we're going to start to see, uh, uh, we're going to see, I think things that banks won't be able to compete with are like the granular financial coordination mechanisms that are going to come out, like your alchemixes. A mm-hmm. bank could never offer that. Yeah, like they're not going to be able to compete with that. And so they're going to have to basically figure out where they fit into that picture. I don't think they fit in. They're gonna, It's and and wallets are gonna be winner take most industry. And yeah, I think uh, this is a legacy. These are legacy industries. They don't do anything better.
0: So like a bank list, they talk about these mullet apps where it's like a traditional pretty web app on the front and then crypto in the back. Is there an opportunity to just make it a million times easier and then people wouldn't really need wallets. They could interact as they normally do.
2: I strongly believe if I was doing that monkey Inferno studio, if I ran one, I would have a studio with a whole thesis of there's a unique opportunity right now for the next two years, three years to build the you know first generation of a lot of applications that people will experience for the first time. I think we're gonna have thousands of wallets. I think we're gonna have thousands, we're gonna have lots of exchanges, and we're gonna have many interfaces for the same things, very common things. And all these interfaces are gonna compete. And I think making these interfaces for the same protocol. Are going to be good businesses, and I think we're going to rethink what it means to be a good business. Do does do you really need to have a billion users to be a good business, or can you make an enormous amount of money and sustain the whole thing with hundred thousand customers? And so, what's I think what's I think the opportunity right now, where I'm going with this, is banks, you, me, your listeners, any company out there that is aggregated users can go and figure out. What does it mean to give our users the ability to swap tokens? Why would they want to swap a token? A token is like a new primitive anyway, like a website or an app. It's not just going to be a financial thing. Our app will have a token. Where do we plug it into DeFi? Where do we plug it into crypto? And by the way, when we're the entry point for our users, when they click a button, like a crypto button on our app, they're going to have to pay some, some ETH. And we get to take a little bit of cut for that for creating that funnel. And that's a great business. And what I was meaning early on, I think, There's 7.5 billion people that need to join crypto and they're all going to come in and it's going to be a messy funnel. They're not all going to go to Coinbase. They're going to go Google like crypto wallet and they're going to have a whole list and they're going to read reviews and they're going to click on the number 18th best one and be like, how about that one? Could be yours. And if you could go back in time at the beginning of the internet and have a, like it's 1996, yet somehow you launch a Shopify store for like premium gray, like premium basics. And it was like, you had great t-shirt.com. Like- I bet that would be a fine business today if you did nothing to it. It would probably rank very high for great t-shirt and you'd have a lot of customers that bought great t-shirts. And uh, if you make CryptoWallet.com, like same thing will happen.
1: Yeah, this is totally like the, you know, going back to, to the 90s. This is BBSs. And then all of a sudden there's this thing called ICQ and AOL Instant Messenger. And it's, those things are all, I mean, I think ICQ is still around. Everyone kind of gets into what they get into and which also yields this kind of weird, Thing where, where some things just die, and I guess the, the concern is is there a, you get people they coalesce around something, whatever it's a wallet, it's you know an exchange, whatever it, it ends up being, and these things are going to evolve and evolve. So I think the, the interesting part, which I am getting from everything you're saying, is like, hey, this is the early time, and. Now that we've been around this cycle, you said you're you're 35. You've seen the cycle a couple of times, right? The Mac come out, you saw the PC get displaced, you've seen Microsoft come around, rise, fall, rise again. We've seen these cycles and it's just, hey, let's just be in the place. Let's just be in the place and spread yourself around and the chances of holding on to that 1992 Apple stock, it might work out. Maybe the HP stock wasn't it didn't pan out great, but the idea of that's what I'm like hearing from like the broadest highest level is like dip a toe. And Colin, I think you've echoed this too. When we maybe we've not talked about it on the podcast, but this is just a point in time. Maybe we missed the first like couple lifts right here. Um, yeah, we're good. But let's Yeah, but still it's like this is just a kind of a, a position to be in, a place to be. And whether you picked the ICQ or the AOL instant messenger or whatever your your version you're on got it, like IRC or something like that. It's still may have an impact. And and there may not be the big winners, but these are all connected things too. Like they're going to evolve and people are going to go from ICQ to eventually there's going to be this thing called Slack. But before that, we had other things and and guess what? Next year, there's going to be something new.
2: What if Slack was built on some ICQ infrastructure? What if in order to use, what if in order to use ICQ, you needed to use ICQ tokens to log in every day. And at the beginning they were cheap, but like they were finite. And then over time, a lot of people use ICQ. A lot of things are built on ICQ. You still need ICQ tokens to use them. And you know what? And then like, as a user, like if you have ICQ tokens, like they'll collect a little bit of a dividend too. And it's a good thing you were using an ICQ token early on. Like you've got a big mountain of ICQ tokens and those are worth a lot. Like the weird thing about this sort of crypto economy is imagine if you're like an affiliate website in the early days or, or imagine you had to pay your Amazon bill with Amazon credits or no or Amazon stock, not AWS credits. In fact, what if you like could only spend Amazon stock on Amazon and then like you're a store owner and like you're getting Amazon stock. And then by the way, like affiliate sites that refer traffic to Amazon are getting paid in Amazon stock. It's all right. done in Amazon stock. And because you're a stakeholder and as Amazon grows with many stakeholders, it's a good thing you participated in this big thing and you were a big contributor. That's what's going on right now. That's the, that's what's different. Like the tokenization of, of everything is what's different. And uh, when people look at crypto and get scared, they look at, I think, volatile prices. And what they're really seeing for the first time ever is we are, we have, we are, because it's tokenized, we can see the value of where software is in real time. And we're witnessing the volatility of, technology deployments these hype cycles these Gartner hype cycles of the hype and trough of sorrow and if you look at like the Carlota Perez technology deployment cycle you'll see like what it looks like to deploy and there's an adoption phase there's a frenzy it's pretty chaotic that's what the price of bitcoin looks like Mm -hmm. and every and that's with everything like electricity would have been priced like that if it had a token
1: it, the interesting thing that I'm getting at that I think may crypto and, and, and DeFi maybe the solution, going back to the analogy of EBSs and ICQ and this evolution is like a lot of those technologies in the 90s and 2000s even, they got bought by a Cisco or something else. I think that's what ideally this replaces is like, instead of these things having to run on fumes and open source contributors, they actually get funded by the, yeah, the organization. the protocol and then, makes money. And, and so it does actually come to fruition so you don't have to sell it off to Cisco and then it gets crushed and only a couple of corporations end up using it.
2: No, yeah, that's a really good point. I agree with that.
0: I'd, I'd like to hear more about Moon Capital. So this is what you do day to day nowadays, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited about it.
0: Uh, it's what I what is it to start?
2: Yeah. So me and three friends. One, his name is Boz. He's the COO of Akash. My friend, Adam Atkins He's like a quantitative trader and Ethereum subject matter expert. And Ash Patel, whose family runs 18 hotels and runs them. So we all have these interesting backgrounds. We've all been learning DeFi trading together and farming. And we've been sharing strategies and we all have been going on this ride and we've all done really well. Our friends have all kind of heard about this as we, we literally tell everybody like you too, we'll help you. And all of our friends have been like, this is great, but I don't want to, this is complicated. Like I believe you and I believe in this, but can you do it for me? And Mm -hmm. so we eventually were like, Hey, a lot of people are saying, can you do it for me? And so we thought, let's just do it for them. We spun up a fund and then we said, yes. And so we invest in DeFi. We have basically active DeFi management investing as a strategy, as a service. And we simply invest, we have a thesis, which is we believe ETH is you know, gonna be the next internet. And on top of ETH, um, like we're seeing a Cambrian explosion of like the first generation of apps and they're all taken off. And then we also believe that we're seeing a second wave of like cross chain interoperability services that if you believe that there will be more blockchains then therefore things will need to integrate across them. And so we invest in basically DeFi, and cross-chain, and uh, it's done really well. We've been in the market for a few months. We're, we're like up like 300% so far. <laughs> we're, out, we're outperforming the DeFi Pulse Index and Grayscale, which is what we benchmark against.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: like also we benchmark against ETH and Bitcoin and we're outperforming those significantly. So we feel good. I think a lot of people are really excited. Like our investors were excited to have a baseline of, we basically promised, but we can't really promise, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go get you at least 15% a year. And, uh, but we think we're gonna go more than that cause it's crypto assets. And so it's doing really well.
0: How do you think about portfolio construction in this world? You're not just focusing on ETH, yep. you're doing a bunch of other stuff.
2: Yeah, so our, our portfolio, we basically think about it in a few buckets. Uh, one bucket is macro assets, Bitcoin and ETH. That's our smallest position. And we own them as a hedge. We get yield off them by providing liquidity and borrowing against them. They're very composable in DeFi. So that's one part. Another part is DeFi index. We think DeFi is big. We have beliefs about what's currently big and what's growing in DeFi. And so we have an emerging DeFi uh, portfolio that's full of Sushi and we have Aave in there. We had Balancer and Uniswap and we recently sold those positions, but we were investing in the deck space. We're focused on Sushi because we just think it's underpriced. They have an NFT platform coming out. They are building a lot of things and they are ready to capture. I think they're going to capture and help a lot of developers. They remind me, they remind us of iOS in their developer onboarding. Then if we move over to cross chain, this is the best performing part of our portfolio. And we continually sell off positions and double down onto cross chain. And so what is cross chain? There's a lot out there, but like we're looking, we have our largest position is Luna. It's a Cosmos blockchain. It's like a go-to-market ready version of DeFi and it's aimed at East Asia and they're doing really well. And they have a Vitalik-like founder. And people who I always say to people, if like if you missed out on Ethereum, like Luna's very exciting. And if you think the EIP 1559 upgrade is thrilling and how it burns at ETH, like Luna, it has a 50x more aggressive burn and it's mm-hmm. an exciting experiment. That's it's our largest position. We also invest in Atom. It's like the Cosmos is the blockchain of blockchains, and they make app specific blockchains. And uh we provide liquidity on Osmosis for Atom. Osmosis is like the Uniswap of the Cosmos ecosystem. And as the blockchain of blockchain keeps on growing, and more protocols launch on all these blockchains, all of them will be provide, will get liquidity on Osmosis. And so, a great way to hold Atom tokens is by providing liquidity on Osmosis with Atom Osmosis pair, and it has very high APY. We also then will we have like a DGEN section where it's like Avalanche is launching, go farm. We have stuff going on in Optimism. Let's go do everything on Arbitrum so we can get airdrops. And we have this pool of capital that we just call like the hot ball of money that just rotates around and like just sucks up money. And uh, and then we finally have, we take profits into a stable coin position that is sitting on Convex, which is on the way Alchemix is built on many layers. Convex is like a Voltron suit user built on top of Curve. And it's like the best place to put stable coins in all of DeFi is on Convex. And those just grow. And uh. Convex is like our goal is to just grow the stable coins until we've surpassed our like minimum guaranteed returns. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll just go crazy everywhere else. And we've done that. So now we're just going crazy.
0: So is everything public, right? Because this is all on the blockchain, you know, the address, it, like it, it is. It
2: we would be happy to talk about it um, with anybody. We just don't do any marketing. It's just, I guess it is public. We, we could reveal that stuff. I'm happy to tell anybody anything we do. We just don't have a website or anything where we're like, Yo, let's talk about thought leadership and stuff.
0: i meant more like if I as wanted to quickly follow all your trades, could I see them in real time as they happen? If uh, people knew your address, it is all public.
2: That's, oh gosh, I should talk to my partners about doing that. We should, I feel like that'd be fun.
0: Right. Yeah, I was just curious. I, I wondered if all crypto funds were like- We are doing stuff are...
2: every day. We make moves yeah. every day and um, we're long on everything, but it's like this hot ball of money that- is what we do. And then also just five crypto time is kind of like dog years. It's one, year, five, one year of crypto is like five years of internet development time. I think that's true. And then, which just means every week, there's tremendous progress in the industry and there's opportunities. And because all the assets are liquid, like it is reasonable to always ask the question, is this the most optimal allocation for what we're doing today? And should we be doubling down on something? So I'll leave it at that.
0: So one of my other questions here is like, you're so long on Ethereum. Is there any real concern that it's going to be dethroned by some better technology in the future?
2: I don't really think about it that way. I think it's a good question. It seems like Ethereum, I look at things like network effects and I look at adoption, like what's how is it being used? And in the same way that like you know, there's all these programming languages out there, like JavaScript, Ethereum has, it's the first blockchain. The whole point of a blockchain is to create demand for block space because that's what's going on there. And the more applications you have on a blockchain, the more users can onboard and use it and be like, wow, this app is useful. Let me write onto the blockchain. And, oh, I need to use this block space. And that's what's going on there. And then as they write more onto the blockchain, they need to come back and use that data more, which then now you have users captured on a blockchain, which makes it great to build apps there because it's got users And then more, and then it brings in more capital. So you have this like flywheel going on and and of as more happens and ETH is off to the races. And when people complain XYZ about Ethereum, they're describing like a car that like we're driving as the pieces of the car are coming together and it's it's getting faster and safer. And oh, wow, check out, it's got autopilot now. And we're, it's like everyone's sitting in a Model T and it's turning into a Tesla auto driving thing. And we're commenting on, on along the way. And by the way, as more industries adopt onto Ethereum, they're going to agitate and they're going to be invested in improving it. And then they're also going to say, we don't have time. Our user experience and our business needs demand other things. And so we're going to see other blockchains arise. And we're seeing that with Cosmos and Solana and we're seeing layer ones that help with scaling. And we're, as this happens, projects teleport aspects of their infrastructure to different blockchains. And they're all figuring out what should their infrastructure be. And so I think what's going to happen is I think Ethereum has a really big head start and it's basically going to become like this base layer of the, the, I want to say like the settlement layer of data of the new internet and then it will be and everything else will bridge back to it. And and then there will be like some other layer built on top of all that is going to be like the user layer where we don't need to know anything about crypto. We just want to do shit. But uh, yeah, and what I would just also say is like, I believe more in Ethereum than like anything else. But I also know that that's because I have, Why do I have more conviction? It's been out there longer. I have more to think about it to give me the conviction. Mm -hmm. These other, if you want to, if you're common to crypto and you're like, wow, I've seen these people make a lot of money. How do I get all those tokens? How do I get rich? Or Hey, we're a small fund. How do we become a big fund? Um, You need to go further out on the risk curve. And so that's why a lot of the emerging funds like us, a lot of like sort of people who missed out on Bitcoin or, They joined Ethereum like mid parabola. The place, the areas of development where that are gonna have bigger multiples are Cosmos, Terra, Solana, these other ecosystems just have more market cap to grow into. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear your recommendations for like portfolio construction for the people listening to this podcast, like uh, for more active ones and then like more passive ones.
2: And I, I can't give advice to people in so far as to say, this is what you should do. But what I can say is, here's how I think about things and how I allocate and uh, mm-hmm. how our fund thinks about things. And it's, we believe that, the, I believe that the goal long-term is you should just stack as much Ethereum as possible. It's like owning a, own a piece of the next internet. And this is going to be the next internet. It's already going. And uh, by the way, a lot of the things that like make you skeptical about a theory of long-term, like. There's a roadmap of crazy shit that's going to make Ethereum way more usable. So it, anyway, so I have one third Ethereum and then the other two thirds of my portfolio are this sort of like high growth stuff. And so one third of the portfolio is Adam osmosis. And then I compound, I take the Osmo yield and I put it into, I'm always looking like every investment I make is I'm looking at what what are like the layer one, like where will value accrue? And I want to invest in layer ones, like basically an entire blockchain that will, I can't necessarily pick a protocol. It's going to be a winner, but like the whole blockchain will win. And Adam is one of those. And, uh, and also like Osmosis has a bet of being like, it's the leading Uniswap. It's beating out like the main one that Cosmos has, the Gravity Dex. And then, you know, Terra, so like, I just believe in it. It's like, uh, it's got a lot of momentum. 5% of Korea uses like one of their apps. They have a major update at the end of this month called the Columbus 5 upgrade. It's like, it's been widely anticipated in the community. And it's a dependency for about like a hundred other protocols that are just like, they've been waiting for this update to come and they're all going to launch at the same time. And it's going to be wild. And what I love about Terra is they are being heavily incubated and guided by like Delphi Digital or Delphi. And what was I going to say? I'm like blanking on the name of the other firm that's like heavily involved in incubating them. They have a great team, a ton of money and traction, you know, bet on it. It's a great bet. <laughs> and and a great way to hold Luna is simply just like, you can provide yield with it or like you can stake it and also earn. Lastly, okay. And there's this other section. I like, this is the thing I'm fascinated by is crypto native brands. And I think there's a unique opportunity for everyone. We'll see tweets that say all these NFTs are going to zero. And I disagree with this tweet. And i I want to like make this point to you guys and your viewers. And like, I'm just, I'm spreading the gospel on this. I think that the NFTs that are out right now are, they're all historic. There's only going to be one in 2021 and it will end. And then like never again will an NFT be minted that has 2021 on it. And this was the year of DeFi or an NFT mania and um, the supply is capped. And one day gas prices on Ethereum will be 10,000 and it will be impossible to mint anything on Ethereum. And okay. It's, that's the past is gone. And by the way, 7.5 billion users are coming. I think some of those users are also going to want to do what is currently the most popular thing in crypto, which is collect NFTs. And currently, like everyone in crypto, all the NFTs are aimed at like r slash crypto. And what r slash crypto likes is historic things. First, we love the first generative art, the first Mandelbrot, produced on bro- on the blockchain, the first audio NFT. We also like mm-hmm. cool stuff like art, but we love these firsts. And we've already decided crypto punks matter. Meat bits matter. Like anything by Larva Labs, Bored Apes, Art Blocks, the first generative art brand. It's like the impressionist movement. And there's all these reasons why you can flex these things. Like, I can't name 10 Van Gogh owners, but I can name 30 CryptoPunk owners. And to have them as their profile, I, this stuff is more important than I think everyone's under is underappreciating it. And so- mm. I think that whatever, I think a good bet to make that's the equal to putting a bunch of money into Bitcoin early on is go buy a name brand NFT buy the cheapest one you can, if that's what it is, because it's going to appreciate in ETH. And so go buy, like you could go to Artblock and I would recommend go to Artblocks, search for the curated collection. If you don't know what you're doing and buy the cheapest curated Artblock. There's only 39,000 right now. What does that mean? Sounds like a lot. Millions of people come to websites and they all buy stuff. There's only thousands of these things. And so in the future, everyone's going to want to have, they're going to look at us as OGs and they're going to be like, those people were the most legit. And even if you have some bullshit in your wallet, they're going to want a piece of today. And there's not much of today to go around. And they're going to have a lot of money. And for art blocks, there's only so many curated collections and there's going to be a lot of rich people and a lot of funds that will want a complete collection. And you want them to have to go through you to do it. And so you should, I think accumulating noteworthy NFTs is like the key player right now. Like I, I think my CryptoPunk, I'm pretty sure it's going to be worth 25 million bucks in a few years because today the price floor is like a hundred. Many have sold for hundreds. I believe it's totally plausible that one day we see a price floor at 500 ETH because CryptoPunks just signed with UTA. Like all of the owners of CryptoPunks and these valuable NFTs are going to sing the gospel. They're going to invest and say, everyone should know about why these are so great. I've spent millions on these. I might make a documentary. Celebrities who own these might play, like they're inherently going to become a force of culture, a cultural force, and they're always going to get more valuable. Plus, DeFi products are going to get built around them where you can borrow against these things. They're going to be useful. Mm. So, it's very plausible to me that you can see a price floor of 500 for a crypto punk. And it's also very plausible that we see a $150,000 or really even a $50,000 ETH. That seems plausible to me too. 500 times 50,000, that's $25 million. And it's a floor punk. So, and now we have many collections, by the way, that are approaching the value of crypto punks that were only mm. created recently. So this whole spiel is just, I think the thing that we are underestimating today around investing in the in crypto, like when the internet came out, we were all like, I can't believe how valuable startups get. Look how big they get, look how many users use them, look how much money they make, look at their stock prices. Everyone was shocked for two, 15 years and we're still like trying to get over it. The thing that is about to happen, the same thing is gonna happen in crypto, but it's with crypto native brands. We are going to be shocked at how quickly these brands explode like Bored ape yacht club, six months old, $700 million in in, in in sales after Sotheby's and Christie's have sold them for tens of millions and celebrities rock them as their avatars. This is just a pro this is This is the minute, this is like the minimum viable product of a crypto native brand. And it's already almost a multi, like a billion dollar brand in six months. What happens when someone with actual good storytelling and a good team and like very intentional about making an immersive brand makes a crypto native brand? We won't. So long spiel, but like the really, the call to action is I think 5% of your portfolio in JPEGs. And if anybody on here wonders and you don't know where to go, like DM me. I will help you. We'll do this together. I I have been buying JPEGs. I bought a Chromie Squiggle. I, got, I bought Loot, uh, which is, I think, going to be a primitive. Everyone's going to care about Loot the way they care about CryptoPunks.
0: Anyway, I could... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then for some of... I think a lot of people listen to this, they have Ethereum, they have Bitcoin. I don't know if they want to spend uh, like all day, every day researching this stuff. What is a good passive way to make some income on Ethereum? What are you recommending to folks nowadays?
2: I think there's levels of engagement. So like level one engagement, I don't want to think about this at all. Like I have found it. There's this thing called Haru Invest, which is not DeFi. It's a, they work with Block Crafters, which is a crypto trading firm. You give them custody of your ETH or your bit- or your Bitcoin and they run day trading strategies on them that are low risk. It turns out, I didn't even know this, there are like no loss day trading strategies in volatile markets. That's what they do. You can go Google like in, like in their help section, they explain it. But if you lock up your ETH for a year, they have different plans that you can go on. But like one is 16% APY, another is they have one called better than staking, which is a little bit riskier. It's 18 to 24% APY. I'm in that. I'm currently earning 19% APY. Every day it compounds. I can see it airdrop. I've been, in, I've been using this for a year and a half. Every day I've gotten yield. It's delivered exactly.
0: So I know- a little riskier, like what are they doing with it?
2: I'm not sure. They had to, they basically want, they came out with a Bitcoin one. They say we have a new product. It involves like slightly riskier strategies and we take a slightly higher fee. That's all they that kind of said. And then they said we're working on Ethereum one. And they came out with the Ethereum one. I think it took time to there's a I think it took time to train models, is my guess. We're recently seeing good Ethereum bots come out for trading, but I believe in it. I know corporate treasuries that are on there. I know high net worth individuals that have millions of dollars on there, and I've been very happy with them. And I have a really awesome referral code that I get I get barely anything from, but you get <laughs> 0.2% for life APY, which okay. is like a crazy perk. All right, two, the other sort of level two Ethereum, like you want to hold Ethereum. Um, and get yield on it, a crazy thing you could do is swap half that Ethereum for Ethereum Flexible Leverage Index, which is a tokenized exposure to a 2X, 2x leverage strategy that does not have any risk of liquidation. It's, and so you end up owning half that token. So when Ethereum goes up, this token goes up double. When Ethereum goes down, this goes down double. If you own half this token, then you can provide liquidity on Uniswap for ETH 2X FLI. And then what ends up happening is you're going to collect fees on all the people who want to buy this token, which is going to be like around 10% APY. And then you're also going to have a 50% exposure to a 2X, a, a 2x leverage strategy. And so 2f, 2X leverage performs the crap of Ethereum. So if you're long on Ethereum, that's like a great way to do it. You mm-hmm. could also stake it on a validator. And like you're part of the supercomputer, you earn less yield. Go to, go to Lido Finance and earn 8% a year. It's believed that after the merge, that might go up to 20% APY. That could be exciting. And then like level three would be like, get you can borrow, go crazy in DeFi. Put your ETH onto something like the Liquidy Protocol. That's what I recommend. Or go to Oasis, which is like the protocol made by Maker and they make DAI. And you can borrow against your ETH, collateralize it, borrow against it, borrow like a safe amount, like 35 or 40%. You can now go take that dot. You now have a debt you need to pay down, but like, you now have extra money of leverage. Go out there and deposit all the stable coins onto Convex and earn 20% APY and then pay down your loan. Now you're a yield farmer, but now you have to manage your liquidation. If the if price goes down too much, you get liquidated. So that's risky. I think those are the different levels. And if, if again, DM me on Twitter, if, if you want to talk more about some of those things.
0: So it feels like everything is just uh, progressing so quickly and like new stuff's coming out every day. Like, how do you stay up to date day to day? Like what are your information sources?
2: Twitter. I follow fund managers on Twitter and then I see who they like and I follow projects that I'm interested that I use. I jump in their discords and I follow updates. I listen to Bankless every episode. I read their newsletter. I hang out. I listen to Anthony Sassano's Daily Guay. I listen to every podcast I can. I I listen to Three Arrows Capital, what they have to say for like macro point of views on the market. Raul Paul, what is his macro point of view? There's like people I go to to learn about DAOs. And that might be that Koopa Troopa guy who's like everywhere. And I might participate in a DAO like Alchemix. I participate in that DAO or the different protocols, I try to vote and read proposals to see what's going on. And then you'll start to see who's active in these communities and you'll start following them. And it takes time to figure out what the pulse is because you don't even know what you want to keep track of there's too much information so figure out what you are interested in and then go find who's saying stuff on that space like i found dz for nfts and then recently there man this is wild yesterday i had been following this guy cosmo medici he showed up two months ago and was like i just bought this zombie let me tell you the story on how i bought a zombie for like millions and then a week ago, he, and then he delivered value for like two months on like NFTs and art collecting. And he was like, I'm from a family of art collectors. And we believe only the greatest artists, only their greatest works. And that's our style. And now I'm here in NFT lands to make my family proud. And everyone's, we're so glad to have you, Cosmo. And he doxxed himself yesterday and he was Snoop Dogg. And everyone's like, I can't believe that this anonymous account that has delivered so much value to the NFT community and has spoken so authentically about art, NFTs, Ethereum, us, And it was Snoop Dogg. And it was like not, it didn't even sound like him. And what a polymath. He became famous twice, like one pseudonymously. He became a hero. His collection of NFTs is insane. Yeah.
0: I got to look into that. It's crazy. I'm
2: still like, I'm coming down from this last night. Like I think NFTs got their Elon Musk. Wow. Snoop Dogg. He got Jason Derulo to buy a (laughs) CryptoPunk.
0: He's on Twitter as Cosmo Medici?
2: Cosomo Medici. C-O-Z-O.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Read read the first
2: thread, uh, which is the story of how he bought it. And then you'll read it. And then like when you realize this is Snoop Dogg, I have to reread every tweet he's ever sent in Snoop Dogg's voice.
0: I'm pumped. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to follow this and read through it. Okay. So now some of the ending questions that I think are going to be super cool. So uh, future predictions. So what upcoming project are you most excited about?
2: Okay. So future predictions. I'm excited about Fractional, which is started by this guy, Andy... 8052, and he hired this guy, DZ, to be his community manager, who's a big NFT guy who's always hosting spaces. Fractional problem 10,000 crypto punks. You've heard about them and you believe in them. You can't invest in them though, because there's only 10,000 and we're all poor. So, and they're too expensive now. Yeah. Fractionalization is you can basically take your NFT that you own and you can turn it into many tokens and shares, and you can sell those, and then people can buy and they will own a piece of your token. And so we've started to see the original Doge photo was fractionalized, we saw a zombie get fractionalized and when retail has access like the Doge photo was bought for 4 million dollars. Oh my god, it was fractionalized and its market cap like 20% of it was fractionalized and the market uh, when people bought it instantly and the price of those tokens drove the market cap up to 250 million dollars.
0: Wow. And
2: uh, it came down right away, but you can see where it can go when retail gets to participate. And so I just think the brands like we have really inefficient NFT markets right now for art and collectibles and fractionalization is going to make price discovery more efficient as retail, who finds out about these things can get exposure. And that is going to be the thing that like if, if my $25 million cryptopunk prediction, that's, what's going to make my prediction, like seem really
0: conservative for sure. And then, so like, how about one year out, five years out, 10 years out, what do okay. you
2: foresee? Okay. One year out what we will see. So I said, Time on crypto moves at the spade of five years on internet time. So Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see stable coins will cross the 20 billion, or specifically just that's the Terra stable coin. We'll see 500 billion in stable coins out in the market. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 500 billion would be out there. Today we have 100 billion. We're going to see DeFi apps that are across on every blockchain firing on all cylinders. We're going to see 10 times as many users will have. And so the the floodgates will also begin to open as like right now, all my tech friends a year ago were like aloof on crypto or not really into it or bought into like unimportant negative arguments. Mm -hmm. Today, they're like, that's all they talk about is crypto and being into it. And so I think now, like, they're all going to start working in it. They're starting to join right now. And so I think after a year, they're going to have a lot of stories and, like, more of their friends will join. Like, the wave will open. So then in five years, we'll see the great crypto vampire attack on tech will be in motion as the greatest minds don't want to work on ad clicking and search. Like, the greatest minds are going to see greater economic alignment between their talents and interests, serving the users and making money. And they're going to get super rich working on protocols. And so I think in five years, we're going to hear lots of stories about people getting rich, who are very talented, who work for protocols. And it's going to be more than just Solidity Engineer building complicated crypto thing. It's going to be like, we'll see protocol politicians emerge who like vie for DAO changes. We will see consultants, a new consulting class. We will see a new type of principal engineer and a new type of product, a new class of product makers who know that. You can't just make a pretty picture. You need to rally a community and tap into values of like society to really build something in this world. These crypto machines have like a social layer that are required to work. It's not just a marketing funnel you go down. We're going to see stable coins continue continue to explode into circulation. We'll We'll probably see crypto, man, maybe like a $15 trillion market cap or more, 15 to $20 trillion. And so at this time, in five years, like ETH will probably be north of $100,000. We're gonna to begin to see brand marketing with NFTs. Imagine, this is the way marketing should really work. Imagine Nike funds every marathon in the world. They say, hey, every marathon, nike here we have created some sick nft software we want every single participant when they cross that finish line we want the nft of the race their results and all the finishers to appear in their wallet we want them to get a nike marathon nft we're so proud of everybody there's these are sick we hired the greatest artists and by the way after your 50th marathon you're gonna get really excited we've made a smart contract that will invite you to the runner tribe and like Welcome to the runner tribe. You got 50 Nike marathon badges in your wallet. Welcome. You get access to these kinds of, this kind of clothing, these discounts, these events. We have a lot in store for you. And I think that's going to be really normal or like those experiments will start to feel common, but they won't feel right quite yet. And then in 10 years, like everything will be crypto internet and like that will be a normal thing. And we will all have extensive in the same way that like Facebook was like just a profile initially and a wall that you could post on and like you could upload photos and the internet maybe even before then was just like a bunch of text and images on the internet and it was like it was basically the internet was magazines and and travel magazines and chat chat rooms and blogs and the internet was not good back then and then uh, web 2.0 happened so right now that's where crypto is but then like now you look at what Facebook is it's like many apps Since like the UIs are very different, and like they're multi-screen, and they have Oculus, and they're, they have complex business. There's going to be crypto stuff like that, that's complicated and big, and does a lot of things, and it's going to feel really good and integrated. And so I think that's how we'll reflect on like like crypto will be very clean and functional in ten years across all aspects of our lives. It's the fastest growing technology. Keep in mind, seven took seventy years to get everybody a computer in everybody's hands and connected on social software from like World War II mainframes, desktop, internet, mobile. Here we go. Now we have crypto. It's gonna, it's not gonna take long to get everyone on a crypto because it's just deploy. And then we're all gonna get it really quickly and we're gonna discuss it. And it's not gonna take long for us. This is gonna be the fastest growing thing. And then we're all gonna have on-chain identities that we get a lot of value from. A crypto punk floor in 10 years will be, it'll be, I don't know, man. It, it'll be like it'll be 150 million, $200 dollars million <laughs> of the floor. I don't, I don't know. It won't even be a floor. It'll only be a ceiling. So I can't uh, wait. Crypto future.
0: Well, this And been all super- of us,
2: I congratulate you and I congratulate all the viewers because we're all going to be there. We're all going to make it because we're all going to be exposed to crypto after this episode, at least. And we're all going to be so rich. It'll be great.
0: <laughs> I love it. This has been super inspiring. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. Thanks so much, Jason.
2: I would just, uh, this is really great. If anybody, if you really liked having this con- conversation, DM me on Twitter or I have a link in my bio on Twitter. I love talking to people. It's how this interview even came about, I'm Mm -hmm. at Jason Hitchcock on Twitter. And I'd love to talk to you about what I'd love to help you navigate DeFi.
0: Perfect. So feel free to reach out to him. I'll include that in the show notes as well. I'll link to his uh, Twitter account so you can reach out, but thanks again.
2: Cheers.